Hi guys, welcome back to Veteran State of Mind podcast. Coming to you from where the fuck are we today? Denver. We are in Denver, Colorado, and I am joined by Caitlin and Jess of the Sierra Hotel Echo podcast. I'm from the infantry. That was very hard for me to spell that out. Um, that's me. That's my info done for the rest. I got to take a lie down after that. Um, these guys got a great podcast. They've been going for quite a while now, and um, they were good enough to have me on the show. We talked about some. Some interesting things, including gender, which we brought up before on the podcast. Um, as I just mentioned, I'm from the infantry, so I don't have much experience with females in the military or in any other capacity. So, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, we wanted to we wanted to talk about a few things today. What I like about the girls' podcast is that um, they it's not like a kind of gloss over the top kind of podcast. It's like you guys actually get into stuff and say stuff that's actually has some meaning before rather than just like oh how many years did you serve in the military you like snooze first you know you actually um you actually get in you actually put some opinions out there and um yeah it's, it's actually kind of weird like watching it from the sidelines sometimes as like the kind of like fucking harsh harshness of some people's kind of like reactions to that uh, but we'll dig into that in a little bit first in your own words Please introduce yourself to the great listeners of Veterans Day of Mind. Oh. <laughs> so my name is Caitlin. I am the host of Sierra Hotel Echo. Um, I created it two years ago now. Yeah, um, just because I saw that there was, I started school and I really felt like I didn't fit into a lot of veteran spaces. And so when I felt like that, I just thought it was me. I wasn't sure like what was going on. And then I um, started doing a lot of like academic research about maybe some of the different differences of females and males, um, veterans and active duty. And there was just so much statistical difference. And it made me realize like, oh, I'm valid here. Like other women are probably feeling this way too. And so it made me realize like there just needs to be a platform because every time I wanted to go into veteran spaces, whether it's online or in person, I just like felt like my experience wasn't like theirs and I just couldn't find that camaraderie, you know. Um, and then so then Jess joined me in season two and I'm so glad that she joined me. She's so awesome. and She'll tell you about herself. Hi, I'm Jess. I'm a um, United States Army veteran of four years. Yeah. Um, Caitlin <laughs> slid in my DMs and invited me to the show, and um, it's been really exciting to be a part of something so big. Um, I definitely had some strong opinions about um, the military community as well as um, transitioning out, so it felt like a huge blessing to be a part of a, a platform that I could really talk about um, getting help in the mental health sector and all that. So yeah, I'm a student at CU, and we're just doing this thing, and it's pretty exciting, and yeah. I, I love where we're going. So, so just give give people an idea of like the kind of things that you guys cover. Yeah, your kind of content. Just give people a, a kind of like a rundown on uh, that kind of thing. Our content, I think, always. I think the main distinct. Oh my gosh, I am a podcaster. I swear I can speak. Uh, Sorry, so this is pretty. I mean, when people come onto the giant stage, there is Veterans Day of Mind. It's quite often overwhelming. <laughs> they, stumble. they stumble a little. Um, I think the big distinguisher between like our platform and a lot of platforms is like the core value is diversity and valuing the diversity of all of us, veterans and not. And I think that when you become a female in the military, you just learn that like to its utmost core, and you realize like you're diverse, you're different, and um, sometimes you're an outsider depending on your career field or not. 
So I think that like we always kind of maybe have like an underdog tone to a lot of our content. And I think sometimes we get a little sassy. Sometimes we just go into topics that are really deep and really personal. And then sometimes we just like to like rant and have fun. Yeah, I would agree with the underdog tone. Yeah. That definitely comes through. Um, but I think that that's that's a great thing because it means that you're talking about something that is, you know, has some kind of like meaning behind it. You guys definitely have, like I said, it's not just like a straight up vanilla, here's a bunch of like set questions which just ask you. Basically, like, I'm not knocking on other podcasts and stuff here. In, in general, I, I think that a lot of um, a lot of interviews full stop in any form of media quite often, like, I'll, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to any time I get to do an interview, don't get me wrong. But the ones that are actually really enjoyable and you felt like, oh, that was actually really worth doing are the ones where it goes past, this is how many years I served, this is where I served, this is the unit I was with. You know, why don't, you haven't even mentioned what, you were in the Air Force, right? Yeah, so I was in the Air Force for eight years. I worked on um, F-16s and F-35s on weapon systems. So that's just a fancy way to say I loved bomb and missiles on fighter jets. Um, so yeah, uh, that was a really hard adjustment for me coming from my background of just um, being more of an academic student and then going straight in the Air Force and just working with my hands and tools and having to learn how to use my strength differently than all my male peers to get the job done. So I think like it just eight years of grinding and like always feeling like I got to like work so hard to be equal, I think just set up a tone for the rest of my life that like nothing's going to come easy. And if it's not an easy way for you, there's still a way to go about it. Yeah, that's great. Now, before I want to dive into a couple of things from there, but first, I know everyone's question on the tip of their tongues would be, how's your thoughts about the new Top Gun movie coming out? Oh, um, I just don't understand how he's still a captain after like 20 years, right? 20 plus? But you know, what would happen in reality is they'd be like, this guy's not progressing up the ranks. Yeah. We're just going to kick him out. Yeah. You don't just get to stay in because you're a badass. Yeah. But I did, I was like, I was like, I, you know, yeah, it was, I got pretty moist. Watching the uh, trailer for that new. Yeah, you slipped off your chair. I was I was <laughs> slipping around. Oh, there was like a slip and slide through the middle of the house. Um, yeah. So like so yeah. Go back to the underdog kind of the point of view. I think a lot of people joined the military because they felt like an underdog yeah. beforehand, right? So it's kind of like the continuation of that. What's kind of interesting with um, from I guess it's probably like a female perspective is that a lot of like a lot of guys. I think when they when you get in the military and you become a, an infantry soldier or you become a you know an air force or you become like a captain who won't go up the ranks because he's too fucking much of a badass, yeah. um, you feel like you've overcome that over, uh, underdog status. And speaking for myself and a lot of people I know, you actually go above that and then you actually feel like oh I've actually got an advantage over everyone else. So it's really interesting to hear you say that you feel like even after having served what eight years. Yeah. Even after having served eight years, four years, you still feel like you have that. Um, coming from a position of someone who was definitely could have been described as misogynistic for most of his life. No, I'm, ser I'm seriously now because look, I was like, I was in school. Guys are guys when they're in school, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Unless you're writing fucking poetry and stuff, which I never did. I write books like a man. Um, you know, you, you, um, you, yeah, you, you go from that into the infantry environment, yeah. which is the most macho environment ever, where we can come onto this as well about how that affects mental health, mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, I've seen something really traumatic. I better not say anything because I don't want people to think I'm gay. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, I, I, I have feelings that I've lost friends. 
they must be suppressed at all, all yeah. cause. But yeah, you you kind of you come out of it feeling like I am Billy Badass, yeah. you know, and I am a massive underdog. Is it? Does it leave like resentment or uh, you know like towards towards some of the people that you were? Would you call your colleagues, your comrades? Do, is there is there like that kind of feeling behind it of you don't feel like you were ever treated on an equal footing? Like what what is it that makes you? Where is it that that underdog feeling comes from? Um, I actually was thinking about that today. Like um, if anybody was to come to me that I felt like because in my days, you know, when I was in a little like twenty something like E three, like I had a lot of sass on me. Like I had, I was very mouthy, and that's how I defended myself, and that's how I like you know, like, jab people in order to, like, get them to respect me, because the flight line is very much like that infantry type of mentality, like, eat or be eaten, and, like, don't show your weakness, and you need to pull your own weight, blah, 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 so, um, I was thinking about that today, like, you know, I probably offended plenty of people all the time in efforts to survive, you know, and so, if anybody were to come to me today, especially that I'm more public, and, you know, like, you pissed me off back in the day, I'd probably, I'm so sorry, like, you know, like I was just trying to. Do you think though that if what you'd said had come from a guy, that it would have been taken in a different way? So, like for instance, if you gave like if you gave like some um, quote unquote attitude to yeah. somebody else, they'd be like, ah, oh, it's just you know one of the lads, you know, just having a bit of rib tickling kind of thing. Whereas it comes from a girl, it's like fucking bitch. Yes, Who the fuck yeah, she yeah. She is? exactly. I had that a lot, and like there wasn't. It was very black and white. I was very, like, professional and very stern and, like, let's get this done. And then I'd come off as a bitch. But then when I'm playful and just like, all right, guys, you know, let's go clean up the weapons and blah, blah, blah. Like, they wouldn't take me seriously or, like, oh, James is just messing around, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, no. Um, so I actually got, you know, I got paperwork done for my attitude. Yeah. But... Do you know, by paperwork, you mean, like, like a, an official yeah. reprimand? Yeah. Uh, right. it, we call it, like, a counseling, and she's like, oh, you've been giving to, like, you've been having an attitude, and you've been coming off like a bitch, and it's unprofessional, but then I'm like, I would come back where I would say, oh, okay, well, when I'm messing around, and I'm making funny noises, and we're just, you know, goofing off, you tell me to quit fucking off, so yeah. where's the in-between? I'm either a bitch, or i There's I'm, no medium. Yeah, so I'm... And who, and who is this, who is... Who was this person counseling you at the time? Was this a, a man or a woman? Or? So over the over the couple of months, like they kind of transitioned. So at, at one point, it was a female NCO, and then she moved, and then I got a male NCO. And you know, it he kind of was more understanding. Like he didn't take it as personally as the female did, and I felt like female to female, like she was a toxic female in general. So that describe was, a toxic female for. So pickmies. Ooh yeah, pick yeah. me bit, <clears throat> pick me ass bitches. Um, so this female NCO was just like very two-faced like you know she would confine in you in one second and then she would judge you for whatever you said the, the next so you know she'd go from like just lollygagging smoking black and mild to like okay you know let's get this work done to then like hey get the fuck off your ass and stop being a stupid bitch um is there a bit of a cu- sorry no, no, no. I was gonna say is there a bit of a culture of women throwing each other under the bus yeah. in the yeah, military so sure. you should explain pick me's um, so pick me's are basically females that want to um, side with males in order to like kind of be more accepted and be accepted um, and whereas you know it'd be showing weakness if they showed preferred treatment or like even respect to another female um so it was just really unprofessional i'm just like hey leave your fucking feelings at the door and let's get this work done and don't get your feelings hurt like i'm just here trying to do my best um i had soldiers under me so i wasn't taking any more of her shit 
and I'm like, I'm done with you. Like, we need to stop. Like, again, whatever personal shit you have against me, like, again, leave it at the door or whatever marriage problems you have, don't take it out on me because I'm just trying to do my job. But then she would just take it out on me just to take it out on someone because I was a lower rank than her. Which I do think I want to, like, note because, I, you know, people have a lot to say about, like, online social media, blah, 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 and how it affects um, service members nowadays. But from what we've seen, and we're no longer active, so we can't speak to it personally, but a lot of the younger females are no longer going to the phase of being a pick me early on and they're just supporting one another and they're understanding like there's no win at the end of that like you're never going to be one of the boys it's not going to happen yeah that's 100% what I saw was that uh, the females that we did have like attached medics and, and um, you know ad- administration and so on um, you know shout out boy shout out I am and those guys they were fucking awesome because they would they would put a fucking pack on like everyone else put a bergen on as we call them do the matches, do the rock matches, do the tabs, do all that stuff, but not make a fuss about it. Yeah. And no one else would make a fuss about them for doing it either, apart from right now. Uh, but <laughs> but it's like, the fact that they just did it, that was their given job, and they did their given job, and they did it well, therefore they gained respect. Yeah. The ones that tried to outlad the lads, they were the ones who were like, what the, what the fuck are you, you know, what the fuck are you trying to do? And that's the same for anything. It's like, if you, for, if you are from a... Uh, an aristocratic posh background in the UK and you try and come off as someone that's grown up on a council estate it's that's gonna that's gonna be picked up too I think yeah. it just comes when when you're not authentic to who you are yeah, right. it comes across and people I think I think we have this like a, I think all of us are b- built in with like a great bullshit detector right yeah. so you if someone's trying to do that straight away you think well I can't trust this person can't be trusted to even be who they are right. so then how can I trust them to do like with anything yeah. So, Caitlin, you did eight years, yeah. right? So, in that time, was there a positive? Do you think there was a positive change to how, in in terms of being a female in the military? In the in the military, I feel like I can't give a objective answer because as I gained rank and as I gained a more lengthy career than my counterparts just based on like where I was assigned and I got good assignments that meant a lot to other people um I just had a different career than a lot of people so it's hard for me to say um I don't feel like I like even the like last month of my career my flight chief who was a male uh e7 was still giving me a hard time about gender type issues and it was just like, it just never stopped. And then I was a single mom at the time who was active duty. And I just always felt like they held that over my head. That like when I was at work, um, they needed me to be like 150 to make up for the time that they let me go early because I was a mother, you know? And I felt like really forced out just for the fact that I was a single mother. Like nobody told me like you, you're you not going to have a good career. But at the same time, I knew I couldn't be the best mother and the best service member. Right. I think from an outsider perspective, because I had a close friend in my platoon that was a single mother, like, it was kind of frustrating, like, seeing her have to leave, and I understood that she had those responsibilities, but, you know, I guess from, again, an outsider perspective, I was like, well, there's, you know, the on-post daycare, like, she, you know, the, the baby daddy was in the picture, but, like, she had family around, and I'm just like, why are you constantly coming up with these reasons or excuses? Like, I understand your baby gets sick, this, that, and the other, but it almost, like, felt like she almost didn't want to be there, and she kind of used that as an excuse, and I know that's not your story, but um, it was frustrating for the rest of us because then we had to pick up the rest of her slack, but... I, I, we, I don't think I would hold it against her, or we did. It was just kind of like, okay, great. Like, now we have to stay a little later because we have one less, like, pair of hands. 
I had a really small platoon, so, like, one person leaving meant a lot. Like, yeah. at the most, we had ten people, maybe just eight. So, um, and again, like, she was doing her best, and I think at, at one point she was kind of taking advantage of it, but it, it is really frustrating when it's like, yeah, you do have another responsibility, and you do have someone to take care of, but you're also doing your best. I'm sure, like, you weren't, you know, like, just bullshitting or whatever, but... I think that a lot of times they thought I was, you know, but at the same time, even before I was a mother, people still thought I was bullshitting, like, and I'd have, like, legitimate reasons. Like, I remember one time I had an ovarian cyst that got to the size of, like, a grapefruit when I was working, and, like, I was not doing well. Like, I basically had all the symptoms of food poisoning, and um, people were just making it seem like I literally dropped a piece of equipment and this was my fault for dropping it because it was like a two-person lift and my ovary hurt so, so bad. So you're trying to do it on your own? No, I was with a another person uh, lifting a pylon is what they call it. It's um, what holds bombs onto airplanes. I was doing a two-man lift with him to move the piece of equipment because we had just worked on it and um, when your ovary hurts, it just hurts. There's like you just... Yeah, it's a very strict pain. I felt like I got stabbed in my stomach, and I let go. And he was just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I was like, I felt stupid. But I was like, my ovary hurts, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that sounds stupid. And if somebody told me that, that who and I didn't have an ovary, I'd be like, what the fuck? You just know? use the word cyst to just be like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I didn't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. Not many people know what a cyst is, I guess. I mean, like, this, it's, uh, an ovary is basically the internal equivalent of a ball. Yeah. Or your nuts. Testi- your testicles. testicles. Yeah. We need to break. <laughs> <laughs> but damn. Yeah, I was trying to picture that grapefruit. Like, yeah. holy shit. No, that's not. <laughs> um, wait, I'm, a, I'm a typical man here. Any Anything that's like, oh, internal stuff. No. no. <laughs> Don't be such a pussy. Shush, I'm not a pussy. I was in the infantry. Um, all right. So, look, one of the things we talk about on the podcast before with other guests is um, in the British Army now, they've opened up the role of the combat roles to females. So, yeah. Before, you could have, and we have had, medics in on patrols, you know, out on the ground. Yeah. But they've not been in the rifle sections. They've not been the ones, you know, who are like, your job is to shoot people in the face, you know. Um, and now they, now they have opened that up. My opinions kind of go back and forth on this. Like, one of my things is I just think if someone could do the job, they should be allowed to do it. That's my perfect world answer. But then my real world answer is a bunch of 18-year-olds in a rifle platoon are not going to be like I'm 35 years old now it's taken me like 20 years to get to this position um, when I'm like I'm like oh yeah well you know they should just yeah just because she's a woman doesn't mean you should try and fuck her right but you got a platoon of 30 young guys at least let's call it 25% of that platoon is going to be inappropriate and stuff but also the other thing I think is the behaviour of an infantry platoon can best be described as fucking disgusting in the way that like we we behave on each other like I have seen my friends assholes more times than I care to think you know you wake up with them in stretched cheeks in front of your face you know it's a very graphic place and I think that there's a reason behind that because I think if you don't have that behavior then when you see so if you've never seen your mates with his ass cheeks spread how are you going to deal with it when you see him with both of his legs hanging off yeah. right so I think there's actually a reason for it because it's a learned behavior that when you come into your regiment, that's how everyone is behaving. Mm-hmm. And that's been passed on. Right. And I think it's, and I think, yeah, and I think that that conditioning, like I said, exists for a reason to condition you to the grossness. Because being in the field and being at war, 
is pretty gross a lot so, of the time. I, not to interject, no. but I'm going to interject. That, I don't, I just think that, like, military humor in itself is just something that people like. I don't think it necessarily serves a purpose. I think that there is such a thing as dark humor, and it does serve a purpose. I think it's overused and in place of actual proper mental health or proper coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like, you know, that same exact behavior I saw on the flight line every single fucking day and there's no need for it because nobody's legs are being blown off, for example. So I just think that it's in, in, it's been conditioned and it's in our military culture, passed down from passed down from passed down, to be like that because I think that it just is a place where you can't do it anywhere else. So why not take advantage of it in the moment? That's interesting. Right. Um, and I think that in, I, do, I do think that back in the day I know if you used to work in a steel factory or something like that then that kind of behaviour was a part of that too Um, I I guess my point would be that if women are going to be in infantry roles then the guys are my my thing is always if you are treating everyone as they you treat all all the others then you will you will treat them to an asshole in the face when they wake up, right? So, but I think before you decide that that before you go there, I think you have to zoom out and decide is that appropriate and what does it actually benefit us? Well, yeah, but here's my thing again about perfect world yeah. and real world. Right. In real real world, how do you recondition the entirety of it? Like, and that's the thing is, I think right now with our military culture, we're on a cusp and we're changing. And I think that people are calling it um, to be clit- politically correct and everything's being PC'd. But I think that you have to think about it more in an actual like business and professional level as an organization, because the military is an organization. Like, there's a reason nobody comes and collects their debts from the United States because they're going to get nuked. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason that the military is the way it is and why we get away with the shit we get away with is because we're, it's the strong arm of the states, you know? So, and then we have NATO that supports us and um, so on and so forth. So I think that you have to realize, like, there's a reason why we get away with what we get away with. There's a reason why the culture is the way the culture is. But does that make it necessarily justified? I mean, I don't know. I'm on the fence about this because I like the the infantry that way. Yeah, I, um, the thing is, like, it, it does serve a purpose in the moment, but in the long term, yeah. it's so, holding us back. Yeah, but well, what do you think? What, what in terms of what what do, where do you think it's holding back in terms of people's mental health long term? I don't know. These are all just big, big questions and like very like objective, like zooming out and really thinking about it hundred years down the road, like. Is this culture holding us back from where the military can be? Yeah. Could we have women, you know, on the front lines in special op communities, like really pushing the bounds of what we're like we're stopped right now? And I think really at again at the like platform of what Sierra Taco is, it's like going back to those basic questions, like let's rethink some of the way we do things. Let's think about the angles that we approach things. And if we come out at the end, like yeah, what we were doing is working. But if it's not working, like are we too proud to not? to just change it yeah I just think as well though it's like I, I do think that one, like you said one of the things that attracts young guys to the military yeah. is being able to act in those but ways I love that shit too yeah I was about to say like I mean I kind of had the same experience similar experiences that you did Garrett but like I was happy to be a part of that like it was like I was able to bond with my platoon and again we were already very small so we were already very intimate we knew way too much about each other um, but yeah, like, I mean, if we're, we're in a different setting where like, we're not in the office, like garrison, um, 
and you know we can do whatever the fuck we want because we were just out there on our own like yeah we're gonna we're gonna goof off we're gonna you know fuck around um we're gonna make fun of each other like i mean again we're in a small not small but we're inside a striker and it's you only have so much space so it's like oh look there's james and her fucking granny panties in the hatch and i'm just like okay fuck off sergeant hef like yeah you know i'm just trying to change um, and then, like, you know, we just, like, egg on each other. It's like, we're just, like, a part of, like, a little family. And, like, yeah. that's kind of what you were almost, like, kind of saying. Yeah, and I think and I, I think what, what I've always said is I don't think the issue is going to come from the individuals themselves. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is going to be from uh, an officer or whoever who's going to think, oh... I saw like because they might have been they might be like fully in on it and having having a laugh, but they're going to be oh I need to reprimand this male soldier yeah. because if I don't, then my career is going to be fucked. Yeah. And I, I, so mine's mine's not from the actual practicalities of it. I think it will I think it will work itself out. Yeah. My my worry is that the kind of the I think we're in a bit of a phase where people might overreact to yeah. things, thinking that they're. And I don't even think it's necessarily thinking they're doing the right thing. It's thinking, if I don't step in at this point, it will ruin my own career. Therefore, I will ruin someone else's career to get ahead. Like you were saying earlier about the whole throwing under the bus thing. Well, I think, like, there was, like, what my platoon sergeant always said, uh, or one of, like, my main favorite ones was just, like, there's a time and a place. So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the major's going to be here, like, at the range today. So, you know, don't be picking each other's buttholes and, like, shit like that. (laughs) No, it's true. Um, And then, you know, we did get, um, after a while, we got another new private who was also a female, you know, 18 years old, kind of sassy. Like, you were like, okay, we have... You know, she's kind of quiet. Like, we couldn't really mess with her yet because she wasn't really part of the family yet. But once we kind of got her in and, like, you know, like, hey, like, we bond this way. She understood it. Yeah. She was a part of it. And, you know, she was, like, she was able to spit back at us. So, it was, you know, it's great. But like I said, you know, there's a time and a place. Um, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I just want to circle back so people understand my perspective on, like, these issues. Is like, I am learning to become a researcher in social sciences. So, like... I just look at things a little bit differently. I'm just asking the big questions. Like, before we, you know, go down to, like, the detailed questions and the micro questions, what's the macro going on here? And do you think people are rushing in without understanding those bigger questions? I think we do as a society, yeah, with everything, which is also what I wanted to hear more about you with, like, the mass shootings that happened this week. Like, I think it's interesting to hear your perspective on it because, you know, the macro, we're all answering these micro questions about gun laws and everything, but I think, like, macro questions aren't being asked about, like, gun culture. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I totally agree with you. Like, me and Alex, who uh, couldn't be here today, we'll, we'll do another podcast with Alex when he's here. <laughs> Shout out, Alex. Um, yeah, people talk about laws and all those kind of things. I'm like, well, wait a minute. No one's saying about why. And they go, oh, mental health, fuck off. That is yes. the biggest cop-out I have ever heard in my life. Um, for me, I think one of... I, I just... I can't help but look at the individuals who carry these things out. They literally look like carbon copies of each other, and their lives are quite often very similar. They're loners. They don't have... Um, they haven't had, it like, a sexual outlook. Yeah. Um, I think that's a huge part of it. Um and I think they don't feel like they have purpose in life. They're yeah. trying to become somebody, which is really sad because there are so many ways that you can find purpose in your life. It's probably never been easier to find something where you can give to a community or serve a country or serve, you know, serve other people. I mean, like we could just get on the laptop right now and within a few miles of us in Denver here, I bet we could find so many pro- like so many community projects going on where you could go and volunteer at and find some self-worth. 
Um, but I think a big, I honestly think like this whole, like through listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, don't listen to him, listen to Veteran State of Mind, see how that whole But I, like one of the things he talked about was that incel thing, that involuntary celibacy. And I was like, what the fuck is this all about? So I looked into that and there's this whole community online that thinks that there's this big conspiracy to stop them getting late. It's like, no guys, you're fucking losers. Really? Um, yeah, so it's basically, instead of looking at themselves and going, well, why aren't, I, why aren't women interested in me? Because I don't wash, because yeah. I don't fucking do curls for the girls, because, <laughs> because like you, you know, you're a horrible, bitter person. Yes. Instead of looking at themselves and going like, well, maybe if I did a few, you know, maybe if I like built on my personal resume a bit and became a well-rounded individual um, who actually people not just not just sexually, but people just want to spend time with yeah. in general. Because I bet a lot of these people are lonely. I bet they have no fucking friends. Yeah. yeah. Because if they did, a friend would probably say, you know what, going and shooting a bunch of people is not a good idea, mate. You know, they don't have those people around them. Um, and I, I, I think that there's this, that to me speaks, that to me speaks way more than how many rounds can you have, like what's the capacity of a magazine you can own. Yeah. Like, why is there a huge community of people online and I say online, like when we say online as well, it kind of like makes it sound like a little less sinister. I mean, these are real people. It's just, this is, but they're, 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 they're only kind of like their echo chamber is other guys saying, yeah, it is fucking bitches. You know, there's fucking bitches. It's always the fucking Mexicans or it's some, you know, then in these fucking echo chambers. And um, like, I, I totally agree with you. I think that all of this knee-jerk reaction whenever there's a shooting, right? Look, there's guns in the apartment right now. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, Alex and B have never gone out and committed my shooting. Why? Because they have great lives. They're happy. They're happy in their jobs. They're happy in their friend groups. They're happy. That in is uh, different with like the Las Vegas shooter. Like he had a fantastic life. I think that Las Vegas shooter, like look, the whole mental health thing, there are going to be people that come in my shootings who are fucking mental. So I have a kind of opinion on this, and I'm interested to hear what you guys think about it. So, like, to me, somebody wanting to go kill somebody does not make them mentally ill. Like, I think that being homicidal is an actual natural human emotion and reaction. It's whether they act on it. You know, like you as like an infantryman and somebody that's been around guns like there's been plenty of times in my life where I'm just like I think the earth would be better if this person wasn't here anymore but do I ever go kill them no but that doesn't make me mentally ill because I had what, that what, is, what is it what is it that stops you doing it like let's say because I need a job I have to provide for my son like there's, there's all these there things. so it's not so it's not a moral thing like it's like a mental threshold it's like you know, like how you know not to bite too hard into your own hand because like you know but you want to like, taste yourself. If jail, like, okay, like, there's been plenty of people that I hate in the world. If, like, I didn't have to go to jail if I killed them, if I didn't have any, like, social, like, dis, uh, stigma because I killed them, if I didn't, like, all realistically, if all these things weren't a factor, what would be the reason that I wouldn't kill them if I felt justified in killing them? So where do you think that, so for, for me, it's a sound, and this isn't just, um, this isn't just with, with killer, like, it says, just the idea of I'd quite like to drive around everywhere at 150 mile an hour but I don't do it because I know there's going to be consequences yeah. where do you think that for these people to commit these things why is it that they are willing to go and 
And why is it that they're willing to break through that? And, and well, I and think you it? touched on it earlier that there's an online there's an online encouragement to do so. Like the New, New Zealand killer live streamed his massacre. Like there is a online component here. Like and even if you look at it historically, starting at Columbine, where we're at right now, Columbine High School, that's only you know a couple of miles south of us right now. Um, it started with like video games. Like there is historically when mass shootings started a online component to it. In my humble opinion. Uh, all I have to say is a lot of the mentally ill people that I've met and come across don't want to hurt Hang on, hang on. Just for, there was air quotes on mentally ill there for the people who listen. <laughs> they don't want to kill other people. They want to kill themselves. Like... And they will take people with them? No, just, you know, like, they've gone through some shit. Oh, sorry, we're, just, we're not talking about mass shooters here. We're just yeah, talking about suicidal people. Yeah, 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 totally. So that's why the whole mentally ill thing is just bullshit. Like, again, like, <coughs> just from my experience and, like, my walks of life, the people that I have met that have gone through some shit that are, you know, considered mentally ill, again, don't want to hurt other people. They just, they, they themselves want to not be on this planet anymore. But then... I feel like with these mass shooters, it's just like they're not getting the attention that they want, deserve this, that, and the other. When they have that power of a like high-capacity weapon, it's like all eyes are on them. It's not exactly the attention that they wanted, but that they're getting. And so they almost like get off on that. Um, but I, I just don't understand where that frustration to kill... So it, again, like they're going past that threshold, and there was like a there was an article saying that like one of the guys that committed the mass shootings uh, in El Paso or something like that was a paranoid schizophrenic, and I'm just like, okay, well then how the fuck did he get a weapon? Like I just don't think that some of these high capacity weapons should be in the hands of civilians or like. Yeah. That's something like I've always like. I'm not even going to say civilian, but I'm going to say highly trained individuals. There's like for me, it's. I, I do find it crazy that, um, like, one of the things I can't get my head around is I think it's like 16 to drive in the States, right? You can drive at 16. Yes. So if you give someone a fucking huge ass Silverado at 16, I don't think that's a good idea, you know? Um, because. Is it in the UK? Uh, it's 17 to get your provisional license. Most people are probably 18 by the time they pass. Okay. But also, we're not driving these giant ass trucks, right? There's, and there is a different, like, don't get me wrong, you can do damage to other people on a fucking scooter. Mm. But. When you're talking about a Silverado or something like that, it's a fucking, it's a lorry. Like, it's equivalent almost of a fucking truck in the UK. Now, to do those, to get anything bigger than a car, you have to then do... So, if you want to do trailer, you have to get an extra license to be able to tow a trailer. You have to be able to do an extra license to be able to drive, like, a medium-sized truck and then a bigger truck and so forth. Do you feel over-regulated? No, not at all. I feel like that's fucking great. When I'm on the roads, I want to know that those people have gone through the mo- a, lot of, a, lot of tra- a lot of training. Like... It, it doesn't like, and this is, like, I started using weapons when I was like 13 because I did cadet force. And the um, level of kind of like almost like reverence that was dealt with the weapons from then, it was always so strict to the point of ammunition and weapons were not stored together. You know, you, there was always supervision with the weapons. You know, it's, it was, you know, you, you don't go anywhere near a live fire range until you've done dry and dry, 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 dry training, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then when you're in the infantry, you know, you start right at the bottom of the basics and you gradually build up. You don't go, oh, right, you've passed the weapon handling test, right, we're going to throw you into a live fire company attack. You know, there's all this fucking training. And like for us as well, like if you negligently discharge a weapon, you are fined a month's pay. 
Now, when you're only earning $20,000 a year or like say £17,000 a year, a month's pay is huge. So that makes people, you know that there's real kind of consequences. And, yeah. and the, I, I think that the British Army training is like without par in the world. Well, I'm sure there are people that are on par, but that my personal feeling is it couldn't be done much better, right? Um, now, I don't actually have, one of the, the problems I do have um, it, with people comparing the UK and the US too much is we are different countries. Yes, we speak, yes, we speak English, less we have a lot of cultural similarities, but there's some very big cultural differences here too. Um, one of which is like, so a lot of people kind of misunderstand. They think that they think of the, you know, the American, uh, the great tree, the great treason, as I like to call it, against, you know, the war of independence as America versus Britain. Well, it really wasn't that. That was their government. And they overthrew what was their government at the time. Yeah. And that still runs deep in a lot of people here. Whereas, so there's a lot of people here who are like, hey, look, I know we have a government but I'm not fully going to commit to trusting them, yeah. therefore I need to keep arms. And some people will say, well, how do you think you could beat the US Army? Well, look, I'm not being funny, we got our asses handed to us in Iraq and Afghanistan by people who just made homemade bombs yeah. and had fucking, some of the people in Afghanistan using weapons from 100 fucking years, like Lee Enfields and stuff from 100 fucking years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need to, to, to defend yourself, you don't need to have Abrams fucking tanks and F-35s. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, so I was just going to say, I think that there is an ingrained culture which differs from city to city, family to family, but that's here and that I think plays a massive role in why people push back against that regulation. That's so interesting because like essentially you're talking about the theory of evolutionary psychology, which is also like really fascinating too because it's the idea too that like America... Um, is known for their confidence. Like the American youth, like rate one um, top in uh, confidence. Really? That's not surprising. Yeah, and then also like if you look at it from an evolutionary psychology perspective, like who are the ones that decided to cross the Atlantic to come to America? Like some ballsy ass people, you know? So I think that- And desperate people, desperate, desperate and ballsy. And I think that that desperation was well epimentology or something the way you can you pa- you you pass on traits. Oh yeah. So yeah. 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 Bro science basically. But I also like I'm curious to hear like you are a rifleman like you're highly trained in um, weapons. Would you feel comfortable living in a country w- where people can get weapons without being trained at all. Do I feel comfortable with it? No. Do I understand why it happens? Yes. Um, If I lived in the States, I would definitely own weapons. And and there's a couple... One of the things that pisses me off, though, is people always use the thing of, ah, we got to defend our freedom and all that stuff. No one ever just says, I like my gun because it's fun. I'm like, come on. That's a massive part of gun ownership because using a weapon, um, it's, it's a fucking skill to use it properly. Um, and that's and it's it's to go out and go to a range and put a bunch of rounds on the target. It's fun, yeah. and nobody fucking ever says that. Like, and I and I kind of like hate that disingenuous kind of aspect of it. Yeah. It's like, look, the reasons you haven't got this aren't just for protecting your house. You live on your own in an apartment. You know, it's uh, in, nobody in, in, wants in, your shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like you have security downstairs. Like, yeah. and so there's that there's that element to it. I'll say this: I was in um, Manchester when the Ariana Grand bombings happened. Yeah. And I have never felt more fucking helpless than being a couple of blocks away from that and not having a weapon on me. Because, like, you never know in those attacks what's going to happen late because the people who did it weren't accounted for. So you're like, are they then going to start going? Are there going to be more attacks? So, like, 
And I, okay, I was like, the chances of it happening, them coming into my apartment and stuff, very, very small. However, it, I did feel like I was missing a part of my body at like that point. Handicap, yeah. yeah, like I was like, you know, I had someone with me that I cared for, and I was like, I really feel right now, it wasn't even so much for me, it's like, I can't protect this person that's with me that I care for, and that really did, um, you know, fuck, you know, really annoy me. When I'm back home in Wales and stuff, we live out in the countryside, I don't feel, I don't really feel the need for it, because it's not, there isn't that abundance of weapons around them. If I lived in Denver or somewhere, and I knew that criminals and people had weapons, and here's the other thing as well, if you live in a poor, if you live in a poor, run-down neighborhood where crime is high, and it's often armed and it's often violent, I can 100% understand why that person wants to own a weapon, 100%. If you're living in a gated fucking community, you know, in a huge gated community with your own security and the police will respond in 0.5 seconds to anything because it's like the wealthiest community in town, I don't get it so much. Yeah, so like my, so again, like I think I'm coming off at like, you know, like zero guns, we shouldn't have guns and then like- No, you're not coming off like that. Americans were never going to disentangle our culture with gun culture. Like, that's just not going to happen. It's at the very foundation of American um, construction of our Constitution. But my thing is, is, like, again, like, I like to zoom out, and I just think that the conversation needs to be had, like, why are we so obsessed with guns? And what's a healthy obsession? What's not a healthy obsession with guns? And is it really for your protection, or is it just because, like, we have this, like, kind of, like, macho-ness, like, about us as people where we feel more bigger if we have weapons with us? And I think that, like, that's the conversation that we had, and, like, nobody's ever going to vote on gun laws that actually change this um, until we kind of like talk about the emotionality. Because I did a poll the other day on my um, Instagram stories, and I was just asking people, like, not actually wanting to know their stances on gun laws, but if they've ever changed, if they have okay. ever gone and changed their direction on gun laws or just guns. And nobody's changed. And, it's, and even the responses are very emotional. And I was just like, you can remove your emotion from guns. Like, it is a thing, it's an animate object. You don't have to feel like it's your partner. Like, I, that's, I just don't understand that. I, I don't understand it either because it's, an, it's, it's something that you should just be able to have a rational conversation about it, yeah. um, as we are doing now. But this is why people listen to Veteran State of Mind. <laughs> and we only have the best guests on here. Um, but no, seriously, it's like, it's, it's the same. What I, one thing I find very hard to get my head around with America is the. Car at 16, war at 18, drinking at 21, but then people can have guns. So you could be like, you can have a gun and a fucking big truck, you can't go and get a drink. Like, and it, and it, it and, and again, I'm really like interested in this idea of, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can't we like just sit back and look and just say, this doesn't make much sense. We're trusting someone to have a gun, but not a fucking beer. Yeah. Like, that is mental. It felt really weird to be in the military, like, at 18 and, you know, working with, like, 50 cows and, like, rocket launchers and shit like that. And then, like, at the end of the day, the platoon wants to go get beers. And I'm like, bye, I'll go have Gatorade. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I did think it but was... Yeah, no, it is, it is strange. I don't understand. I feel like... You know, we say that the the brain isn't fully developed until like twenty five or even thirty. So um, I feel like in that capacity, it's like we need numbers in order for people to enlist in case of a war. So that's why it's at eighteen because they the military just wants bodies. I feel like well, they want people that like you said that have. If you get to twenty five and your brain is fully developed, 
you're going to think very differently about this idea of yeah well there's taking orders is one because you're going to say this is fucking stupid because <laughs> usually by the time you reach 25 you're in a position to give orders yeah. so some of your orders you're going to like but like you're not going to be like why are we getting the army at three o'clock in the morning when the range doesn't open till seven mm-hmm. like that's a big one right <laughs> but um i also think that in terms of recruiting they want the military wants bodies it's going to be a lot harder to get guys um, on girls you know I'll use guys inclusively um, to be like oh yeah I'll go and do this job for 20,000 bucks where I might get my fucking arms and legs blown off like because you, when, you're, you're, when you're at that age you're in the it'll never be me yeah. when, when you get to 25 and you've had a bit of shit happen in your life and you've lost a friend maybe to a car accident or something you're like holy fuck yeah. it could be me um, but it, again it's like if, if we accept that that is a thing for one thing, then we should accept that it's a thing for another. So if if we you know if we accept that, like I just, like I said, I just find it so. There's so many things in the states, in every country, not just not just the states, but like we're talking the states right now. That just if you just look at it, just purely on a logical kind of basis, it just don't make sense. Right. You know. Well, how do you get past that? Um. Well, it's not going to happen in our generation. Like. Um, the thing I think is really interesting about American culture, it's like a very emotional culture because um, my first duty assignment was in Italy and I spent three years there and they're very emotional, passionate people. But at the end of the day, like everything came down to like we're one country, one nation, like one culture. Like, And I think that America is very divided and I think it's a, it's a combination of very small cultures. You know, like we do have a lot of nationalities. We do have, we are a very large geographical where people don't have to intermingle with these people, you know? So I think that it's going to take a whole generation to realize like we should probably stop killing each other, you know? Like we should probably just like embrace one but another. That's a very hard thing too when the country is basically constantly at war and so much of the country's budget and so much of the country's income. We're just a violent nation. Yeah, we are. And the Britain is the same. Look, yeah. we had the fucking biggest empire in history for a reason. Fucking killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And America, even though people don't see it this way now, America is the, an empire. Right? America is an empire. It's projected in a different way than the British Empire was. Yeah. But you don't have military units in almost every country in the world if you are not an empire. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a tough one because it's like a lot of things about the American way of life are fucking fantastic. Like, I'd love to live out here. Um, I, most of my friends that live out here are very happy with it. There are great things about the American way of life, yeah. but it seems to be almost intrinsically linked with the war machine. And I think, uh, as a consequence, if you have the greatest military that's ever existed, you are that machismo kind of thing is going to be passed down into so like look let's look at sporting events you can't go to a sporting event here without it being troops everywhere fly past the fucking apaches or f-35s it's like the military is in everything the military is violence fucking is violence personified right and then so you've got that so then how do you tell this young kid who's been at the football game and he's seen all these fucking jets flying over and you know and, and they've had the Medal of Honor winner come on and they've been told oh he's fucking won a Medal of Honor he killed like 30 people with his bare hands and then say no but you don't need to do that you don't need to well I think that just goes down to like policy and again like I love policy and politics so like 
I think about these things all the time, and I think that basically there's little options for adolescents in America, and I think that the military and all of its glory is one of the best options for an adolescent trying to find their way in the world and make a living and not go into debt. And I think we need more policies for adolescents to have more options out of high school, whether that be that they go to like a trade school, whether it means that they go to get an actual associates that can do something and make them money. So I just think that there's little pathways and we give so much glory to the military. And as we all know, it's not always what it's um, what you think it's going to be. And then you end up with these disgruntled veterans who you see on Instagram saying they're two or three percenter. And it's just like, fuck, like this cycle, is it going to stop? And I don't think it's going to stop until the new generation has more options. And also, like for people that don't know from the UK, you will get the, the GI Bill here, right? So you guys are both benefiting from GI Bill, yes. as lots of my friends are. So it's like you'll get college, a lot of your college, if not all of your college paid for. And by college, I mean university yes. because you served. Um that is not something that's open to people who went, say, you might serve your community yeah. for five years, but it's like, well, good luck, go and get in a fucking debt. You know, so it's 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 forcing people down the route. If, if you want free college, well, you better go be in the fucking military. Yeah, you have to sacrifice your life possibly for it. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's just because, like, the cost of uh, education here is so expensive that it's almost like that is one of the only ways for you to, but... Um, I hate to backtrack, but I feel like, in general, the United States is always going to be at war within itself. Like, ever since slavery slavery has been outlawed, basically, like, white men are basically going to try to uh, repress whatever person of color, gender, whatever. Just, we have to oppress someone in order to stay on top, and so I feel like that's where we're at right now. Um, but what I don't understand about the mass shooters that are mostly white or that are all white males um, is just like I feel like they're not getting that instant gratification that they want when they're on these uh, online forums and like oh yeah it's women are bitches blah 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 like I can't get laid no one wants to t- no one wants to touch me and like okay motherfucker how about you wash your face wash your ass brush your teeth and try talking to a girl um, instead of just sitting in your fucking basement playing Dungeons and Dragons um, and also like instead of thinking that a weapon is going to give you power and control how about you know kind of like you said earlier Garrett like look at yourself in the mirror and like kind of see like where where you're faulting like okay maybe I have a shit personality or or maybe I can't even engage in a conversation so mm-hmm. I feel uh, how many people are willing to do that though to actually look at themselves and list flaws and then build a plan to well yeah, that's Cognitive, true. Cognitively, it's not going to happen until after you're mature. So, like, your brain needs to mature to do those things. So, like, a lot of the... Like, it's just not going to happen until, like, after the age of 25, usually. Like, you just... But even then, for most... Like, let's be honest. Like, I'm sure we all know people from... We were in high school with and stuff who are the same person that they were in high school. Because... It's not nice to look at yourself and go, like, like I said, like at the beginning of the podcast, I'd be the first to admit that you'd be very misogynistic. And I still have some of that in me now. Like, it's one of those things that, like, the instant thing will be, oh, fuck, no, fuck, no, no fucking women in the army. And then it's like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, come on. You're being reactive here from, like, your conditioning and stuff. Yeah. Sit down, let's look at this. Yeah. Like, but. I, and I and I, I I I work in a profession where my whole job is to look at stuff, and I still struggle with it. I think a lot of people, it's like the, you know, the wash your face guy, you know. Um, I think it just takes sorry. men to role model exactly what you said. I think men need to come out and be like, tell other young men these behaviors that we've been conditioned as men. It's none of our fault, but we need to change. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a great point, and but also not just male role models. I think the more there needs also needs to be more uh, 
like women role models in the sense of it's the, the type of role models, right? So there's always been women in, in the lens, but it's kind of crazy if you said like, give me an example of a, a woman that's famous in history from like say before, like the last couple of centuries, um, who's not a Marilyn Monroe type. And people would be like, um, they'd be like Mother Teresa, um, Joan of Arc, <laughs> like, uh, and then it's like, but it's it's really, it's really hard to come up with ten female role models who would say if you said like, uh, who are military leaders or leaders of nations or something, you got to know your history to be able to come up with ten. And I think that's part of it as well. There needs to be more. Now. I think sport. I think like the US. What happened with the US? Football, US football team recently yeah. I think that was like a real um, that's to me was I was like oh here's something a bit different because I, in the past I think it was everyone was like ah fuck women's sports who gives yeah. a fuck but I might be wrong on this but it seemed to be like the, that was something that the Nash there was, it wasn't just women watching that there was men watching that and getting behind it too yeah. and part of that is because Americans love winners so when you have a women team of females they will like it's almost like I you've come at them from also a winning winningest team in history or am I making I don't know I hate the word winningest yeah so get off weird. my podcast <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure they are uh, but I think that has got to be a part of it too because it's like people start watching it because they just want to see their team win and then subconsciously then they will then be, they, they will then begin to just that will just kind of like drip into their thing yeah. of oh this is our team we are on the same team rather than Oh, it's just a fucking women's team. Yeah, I think you're speaking of like the level exposure. Like yeah. there needs to be more level exposure of women that are badasses doing the badass things. And I think that's coming out as well. Um, friend of the podcast, Max Scovin Jr., he did a uh, one for Coffee or Die magazine recently. Um, I forget her second name, Shannon. So when she was a fucking badass in like a unit that has no name or changes his name every couple of years, that's how like fucking high speed and badass it was. Mm-hmm. And he did a great piece about her. Um, and I think pieces like that are like you know you, you you come across things like that and you're like fuck not only is a woman doing a job but she's like super badass yeah. um and i think we're starting to see more in you know there's more in media now there's like um there's uh, there's there's shows there's shows now in the uk and the us with lead female characters i think that's a big shift where their life isn't revolved around a male yeah, so like Sex in the City is basically fuckfest, yeah. uh, and that's kind of what it revolves around. It's like it's the, her relations to men where, rather than it's like that was his name, Mister Fucking Big or whatever and stuff like that. And it's like really, it's how her her life and emotions are tied to Mister Big. Big and his and his interactions with her, yeah. rather than her interactions with herself, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I th- I think now there's one in the UK because it's called Flea Flea Bite or Flea Bag or something like that. like. Um, that I know that's got a lot of praise because she's like just a, a very kind of like a very strong female character but not in like you said not in those senses you'd yeah. have before and, um, I think there is there is a shift in it like I, I'm, I'm lucky enough at the moment to be at my female uh, I have a female agent she's a fucking badass I have a f- I'm working with a female producer she's a badass and that's kind of been um, very kind of like instructive to me in changing my opinions um so it's like, how has like podcasting like changed you as a person or evolved you or even your thoughts or ideas? The podcasting, to be honest, the main thing for me is, um, it's one, well, one is a great opportunity to meet other people and to get other people's opinions on stuff. Um, it would be very easy to go down the route of just bringing on people that are just going to have the same opinions. Yeah. This is that echo chamber. Um, so that, that's kind of been one. Um, the biggest one for podcasting, for me, to be honest, has been the um, 
realization that you can really influence and I, I don't use the word influence actually but have a positive influence <laughs> vote for vote for bush he's in the next one right vote for bush 2020 um, <laughs> i think a lot of people would like him back right now um but yeah it's it's been like realizing that you sitting down having a conversation with some interesting people can affect somebody in a positive way that lives on the other side of the world you never met yes. so that's fucking that, that's awesome um were you saying to me earlier something? You said something really interesting about how um, when someone leaves the military, like, what, do you want to just tell people what you were saying about like the That's most important, like, oh, that, yeah. that most so important kind a lot of, of like, the step? like literature in um, military studies, whether like whatever discipline it may be, um, it always comes down to them having a support system. Like, they a veteran can get through whatever they can get through, whether it's like a professional hurdle, a mental health hurdle, a financial hurdle if they have the proper support system. And it's also shown that they'll be probably more successful than their civilian peers if they have the support system. So it, I think it's really interesting that um, we come to this like digital, digital media age with like veterans really like taking hold of podcasting or vlogs. And I think it really gives people, even if they don't know somebody, it gives them a sense of self-support. Uh, and this, this kind of ties into what we're saying though about these like mass shooters is that they don't have that in a uh, positive way yeah right do you think that there's any kind of like because I, I know like back in the day and even back in my day right it was you did clubs after school or you did yeah. you did t- like for me I think sports teams uh, sports teams are fucking huge I think in, in like developing you as a person yeah or like a youth center like yeah, so do, you, do, do you think it's almost like there's almost a um, cause for almost having these things mandatory at certain ages in people's development do you think yeah. there's something that people should be pushed into no because they have PE already but I, I, mean, I mean more like let's say that let's I'm going off the top of my head here Gez pulls out his manifesto and dumps it on the table um, right let's say that in school, the last couple of hours, one of the things you do is you go out into the community yeah. and you do some work either like maybe for a couple of months you do a thing where you go into old, old people's homes, you help out there, or you go to local parks and clean up. Do you think that there's any, like, because I, I just can't, my, my some I know why some people would push back on it because they'd be like, this is a bit Hitler-esque <laughs> all of a sudden that you're doing, yeah. but putting these people into these programs. And I'm not, no, so I'm not advocating Hitler youth, but I am, I am advocating something where like you were saying before, so many rewards come from, it's, it's like so many people think service to your nation means picking up a gun. Yeah. But there's so many other ways to do it. They need like an outlet or like a part of like being a sense of a, a community. And having mentors too, I think that like if you are like these guys that fucking, that, that feel this way about these, you know, guys, like they need someone who's maybe 35 or in their 40s who just says, look man, I know where you're fucking coming from. But this is how you, you how you change it. Like I I don't know. Like I, maybe you guys know. Do these guys do they have male role models in their life, or are they are they often there? There's no dad around, or the shooters. I don't know. I know Fox did like a huge stint um, about how they don't have fathers or whatever. But I think to your point, it's more or less the um, ability and the exposure and the accessibility to the programs, not necessarily like the forceability of it. Right. Because I feel like just in general, the United States isn't. Um isn't putting enough money in education and no, like we're awful. yeah so maybe that's a, a byproduct of of that yeah all right. all right let's go back on the podcast thing what has been the most let's actually you know what let's go let's cover both sides negative experiences from podcasting let's let's go over that first because like i was saying like we were saying earlier it's it surprises me sometimes 
the stick that you guys get from people for voicing your opinions, right? Has that helped you though? Has, has that helped you in the sense that you have then kind of realized how much of a need there is to do it? So when you get that pushback, does it just kind of reinforce your opinion that this needs to be done? Um, I'm not aware of any negative opinions. Well, I think sometimes, not like I've, yeah. sometimes you're saying that some of them, like you get some, you, I've seen it on your stories before where people have been kind of like, like dudes, dudes, dudes have been kind of like, Oh yeah, but I just think that's the veteran community. Yeah. Oh really? Okay, let's uh, let's, yeah, ex- let's expand on that. Like generally speaking, like no, negative no, 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 effects. No, no, let's expand on that. The veteran, the veteran community. Uh, to answer your your question, I think the um, thing that I found the most interesting, and it's completely replicable to being in the military, is that female veterans are less supportive of the platform than the male veterans. Right. Okay. I'm well, didn't you say? I remember you like that like being businesses. like businesses. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, because yeah. I felt like I remember you saying like a while back when I first got on the podcast that just in generally speaking, female veterans are less likely to categorize or like label themselves as a veteran. Yeah. Um, they would rather you know be considered Act like, like it a, didn't happen. A, yeah, or like or you like want to fly under the radar. Yes. Right. Or just like you know go like label themselves as a mother or a student first or this that and the other. Um, and I feel like there needs to be like a sense of pride. Like yeah, like fuck yeah. And at least in the states, like we weren't allowed to join the military until like a hundred years ago. We weren't allowed to vote until a hundred years ago. So it's just like fuck yeah, I was in the army. But then like I was built up in such a toxic environment that it was like you know now that I'm seeing more women and like very beautiful pictures in their uniform and shit like that like I remember trying to do that and like you know looking all cute and shit as like a private first class and it's like being yelled at and like why the fuck are you taking selfies of yourself like why are you what, 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 is, what, what was your opinion on the kind of like the gumboot bunny culture so I will admit that like early on I was um I don't want to say that I was critical of it but essentially, it was critical of it in the best attentions. Again, like zooming out, like how does this help female veterans in a whole? Like having these five gum bunnies that get posted a lot. They're beautiful, beautiful women, and I've talked to most of them now at this point. Special women, very cool. But I was just like, what? How does this help? Like, how is this? Like, are we just going back to that that area where we get sexualized? Like, yeah. nobody cares about what they think as a human being. So I was just concerned. Like, are you hurting us more than helping? Us. But now that um, I've heard from them more personally, I understand why it started, and that's to take back when, because like a lot of them were female Marines. A lot of times they were told they're fucking ugly, they're, you know, like they're this, they're that, they're, they're just wolks. mattresses, whatever. So I think that this was like their empowerment to be like, fuck you, I can put on my uniform, shred it up, and look fucking sexy, and everybody in the world's gonna like it. So mm-hmm. you never knew what you were talking about. So I think that's where it started, and I appreciate that that empowers them. And now I want to empower them too. But I also um, think that there's more room for the gun bunnies if I could make like an open call to promote the women who are doing amazing things who choose not to take those photographs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I just feel like, you know, there's going to be like whatever profession or area, there's going to be like babes in that category. So yeah. it's just like, you know, why not look hot and shoot weapons at the same time? All I have to say is just like, okay, have fun getting like burnt by shell casings. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck that. <laughs> um, all right, cool. I want to finish up with podcast. Been going for two years now. What's the best? What's the best thing that's come out of it for you on a personal level, or like a message you've received, or like what something you've learned, anything like that? Something, something that's really kind of like sticks in your mind. Um. Well, like 
I think it's a little like complex of an answer because anything when you start a new business or platform, um, it's an emotional task and uh, it weighs on you and it only rides if you ride it, you know. So I think early on um, I was completely, completely prepared going into it thinking that any like the veteran community all the men were just gonna like hag on it just like they did to me while I was in you know and trying to do anything so um, it's been such a pleasant surprise that like most of the platforms that have embraced us and helped us are these like very dominant male platforms and I'm very grateful to that do you want to give a shout out to some of them I just Ooh, mentor guys zero ninety four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there's just so many. Like yeah. there's there's too many to just like name out, and I don't feel like I like I feel it's like right. in the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. There are so many yeah. that it's fantastic, yeah. and I'm so grateful for them. Like I wasn't I wasn't ex- expecting that at all. Um, <laughs> I was honestly surprised. I'm like, what? Like okay. And sometimes I still am a little skeptical. Like okay, yeah, sure, maybe you're supportive to our face, but are you still saying these things? You know, when we're not around. But I feel like for me, it's been like. You know, I know how hard it was when I wanted to reach out and get help when I was in the military. And it's just like, you know, I've had too many friends die that it's like, you know, I feel so strongly about it that I'm like willing to go out of my way, make myself incredibly vulnerable on a huge platform, share my story um, in order to, you know, save some lives, you know, bring some comfort to someone, like bring some solace that you're not alone, that, you know, you're not weak for getting help. So like, that's been incredibly like beneficial for me. I just really wish that I could have, you know, like saved some of my friends from, you know, yeah. But that, but that's, that's the lesson you learn though, isn't it? And then you take that with you the rest of, you know, the rest of your life. And that's the whole thing about being in the military is to say, you're in there essentially to sacrifice your life for other people so when you've actually when that's been your when that's been your bar sacrificing your kind of like your privacy your emotions Mm -hmm. can be harder in some ways but it's so beneficial when you do it and by the way the answer you were supposed to give when you said when I said which was the podcast help you you were supposed to say veterans day of mind (laughs) I wanted to piggyback off what Jess said about like the most difficult thing Um, and it came to me as she was talking that um we have a lot of women that reach out that say like how this is just like great for them and how much it brings a lot of joy to them and they wish they had you know like the experience that a lot of women I think are having now when they first join but um in that I feel like we just get so the stories always involve a sexual assault and it gets hard to hear them but yet they are coming to us because they're their last resort they want some kind of validation of their experience yet I feel like as the only female podcast, I can't have a platform just about sexual assault. You know, like the female experience is so much more. And it's like, I I always like early on, I don't feel the burden as much, but like, I just don't know how to help these women give them the validation that they're seeking while yet maintaining something that's entertaining to listen to you know the way that you're doing it now is, is it go, you know go on she said Ooh, go on but you know what i got a solution for a lot of these men and women coming forward about these sexual assaults because yeah it's incredibly heavy but you know what i got a dd214 protecting me how about you just like send a couple g's my way on my paypal and i'll start cutting off wieners or hands here first. Wiener. <laughs> Wiener code. is it also available in the uk <laughs> yes i would love to be a paid mercenary on the dark world. all right we'll go international place right um, what's next for your podcast where are you going next you've been going two years what, yeah. what's next so next week we're going to burbiz we're actually an event um, partner i think that's what they call it so that's gonna be really exciting we're getting a lot of notoriety lately and it feels so validating we just got sponsored by task and purpose media so um 
I never, my goal for the business in itself was to um, start making it profitable so like I get paid for all the work I do. Yeah, because, and look, that's nothing fucking wrong without people going out and get paid because doing a podcast. It's fucking, it takes so much time. So much time to do. The networking of it is a day in, day out thing. Like it's, it never stops. You always need to respond to messages. You always need to be looking for new, interesting guests. And like for like us, like I need to be looking for guests that aren't on the other podcast that like are female that that are doing amazing thing. And that's more, difficult chore than you would one thing yeah and at those hours that you're doing that at hours you can't be doing your other like because a lot of people at university will be working like a side like a, another job a side or so so it's like you know you you need to be rewarded yeah. you know for your time because it, it really is it's not like we sat down here now and talk for an hour for every hour that you talk to someone there's like probably like a fucking dozen hours or more that's going into you know going into the other stuff yeah well, um, and then also we really want to start making it more of like an actual website where we produce like several several levels of content, whether it be written or video or the podcast. And then we somehow want to figure out how to allow women to tell their stories of assault, whether it be domestic violence or sexual assault or just like mis- gender issues, you know. Yeah. yeah. And a book. You need to do a book. I'm doing a book. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here first. Did they hear it here first? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, Jess James is writing a book. You're welcome for my service. <laughs> Hang on. That's what we mean. I think that was me taken. No, it's Thank You for My Service oh, by Matt uh, Best. Mine is You're Welcome for My Service. Wow, there we go. Subtle distinction. And also, the, uh, the I'm sure the content will be pretty different too. Yeah. Um, no, guys, I think what you're doing is fucking awesome. Um, it's uh, definitely helped me shape my opinions or influence them, or like however you want to call it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, um, like you, just to go back to what you're saying, it would be very hard for someone like me on the outside to listen to just continuous podcasts of sexual assaults and stuff, as it is at the moment, I think that you're bringing light to that side of things, but also to, um, you know, because it's, 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 like you said, if you said, if that was just what you did, mm-hmm. then people's minds would start, they would define, oh, female service equals sexual <laughs> sexual assaults. Yeah. And of course, there's so much more to that. So I think you're yeah. both doing a fucking awesome job. Let's do this again in a couple months when I'm coming back into town. You heard that here first too. I love, I love it. I fucking love Denver. I really like this place. It's fucking sick. Please so. move here. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it's, it's uh, high up the list. We'll talk about visa weddings when we get off. <laughs> Ooh, I'm down. <laughs> I love you. You yeah. heard it here first. Yeah, yeah there's a lot, of, a lot of firsts here today. And just, I just want to clarify for anyone watching on the video what you were doing under the table. <laughs> you now have a dog. I don't think people can see the dog because it's behind the. Uh, there you yes, go. Service dog. <laughs> next guest on the podcast. Like I said, it's, it's hard work finding guests. So the next guest we have on, I have a... What's he? A husband? This is Apollo Little Bear. Bear. Little Bear. He doesn't like being on his back. So I think he's here at the height. Oh, is he? Oh. Right, I need to have a pee. That's what I yeah. uh, Right, tell, um, tell everyone where they can find you. You can find us on any streaming platform, Sierra Hotel Echo, um, that's She and the Phonetic Alphabet, um, literally any streaming platform. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Download, subscribe, because we are sponsored now. We or Jeff, <laughs> Jess will cut your wiener off. Yeah, or I'll cut your wiener off. Or yeah. vagina, I don't discriminate. Yeah, yeah. good, right. And, oh, yeah, um, and if you and still... Media, yeah, and if you still are memes on social media, Instagram, Sierra Hotel Echo dot podcast, Jess will come find you. I will fucking, I will fucking find you, and I will shit on your windshield we if you steal really our memes. We were really hard at our memes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm done. Right, the memes, though, where do they find the memes? Instagram, uh, yeah, Sierra Hotel Echo dot podcast on Instagram, and then follow Kate dot she and I am Jess 
underscore kitten with two N's. Um, just the wiener slasher. Yeah, just the wiener slasher. <laughs> right, well, you can find me at GRJ Books. I'll tag the guys up in uh, all the posts. Um, go to vsonpodcast.com because there's a bunch of stuff on there other than the podcast. Actually, there's not. But I'm going to start happening. <laughs> um, but guys, thank you for listening. Guys, thank you for coming on. Um, like I said, just like I'll link everything up so it's nice and easy to find. Check out the video if you're watching online so that you can see me. <laughs> I worked hard on my outfit today. Oh, it's called Just Got Out of Bed. I knew you didn't shower. I, fucking, I did shower. I just showered when I just got straight out of bed. Right oh, yeah. The cap. A veteran state of mind cap. This is a veteran state of mind haircut. Um, yeah, guys, like I've mentioned on the last podcast, I'm going to start getting some... Um, What's it called? Merch. merch. Some merchandise. Uh, a few of you have been asking me about that. So don't worry. It is on the way. Um, once I get paid and <laughs> some disposable income. Because you know what? It turns out that like spending six weeks bouncing around America is not cheap. Yeah. Um, especially when I have to pay people to come on as guests on the podcast. So we'll sort out the money. Oh, you're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> right. And on that note, guys, thank you so much for listening. I love you all. Cheers. Goodbye. Goodbye.